You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. First is public ministry. You might call that his life. And then it goes to his death. We've got to talk about his death, why that happened, and then his resurrection, what that means, and then on to his ascension. In other words, if there's a message anyone that God wants anyone to get, Jew or Gentile, it is focus on this person, Jesus, and think about his life, think about his death, think about his resurrection, think about his ascension, put it all together, and you'll get what God is saying to the entire world today. It's really not hard to share the message of the gospel. You already know all the key elements. Just follow the example that you're going to see today in the book of Acts. Peter stood up before the Jews and told them about Jesus. Jesus lived and performed many miracles. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He rose again and ascended into heaven, and one day he will return for everyone who will surrender to him. In today's message, Pastor Tom is going to lay out the gospel for you. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he continues his message, Logic on Fire, the church's first sermon. A lot of times when you're about to listen to a sermon, you're thinking, will this say anything to my life? But since the Christian life is Jesus Christ and he is the life in us, the more we look at him and learn about him and love him, the more that affects our faith and affects our attitudes, and that has to do with everything in our Christian lives, how we parent, how we act as a spouse, how we work, how we pray. Keeping your eyes focused on Jesus is one of the most beneficial and practical things, and we're going to return to Peter's sermon that he was giving on the day of Pentecost. I know it's been a few weeks. This is the church's first sermon And it was given and delivered to the Jews in Jerusalem, all those Jews that were gathered from all over the diaspora. It's in Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin by reading it. We'll start in verse 14 and go through 36. Acts 2, 14 through 36. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him. In your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. 
You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And we'll stop there. Last time that we were in Acts, we um, talked about the central importance of preaching in the way that God works and the way that God moves and accomplishes his purposes. We noted that there are a number of exceptional characteristics to this preaching that Peter did, this sermon. Peter, if you look back, commences his sermon with the fitting introduction. They had just heard all of these Galileans, untaught Galileans, speaking in a myriad of different languages throughout the world, and they were praising God in these languages they couldn't possibly have learned. They're beholding a miracle right in front of them. They're amazed. They're astonished. They're asking, what does it mean? And so he uses that as the launching point for his sermon. That's what has their attention, and that's where he began. But the bulk of the sermon, all that's just intro. The bulk of the sermon, the thing that is on Peter's heart and that the Holy Spirit moves this first sermon to be on, the topic to think about is Jesus Christ. Really, if you think about it, this whole, this whole passage, this whole sermon is about Jesus Christ. He wants all of them to know Jesus the Nazarene is the Messiah. Jesus, who was here and did these miracles and died and was risen from the dead, he is your long-awaited Messiah. They've been waiting hundreds of years for a Messiah. They've been waiting over a 1,000 years for a Messiah. They've been waiting 2,000 years, really, the Jews for a Messiah. And he came, and that's what he's telling them. It's really an an incredible moment in history. All of these Jews coming out of their homes right there in the middle of Jerusalem, filling the streets or wherever they were in the Temple Mount. We're not exactly sure where they are, but they're all just riveted on this. And Peter takes his stand with the 11 and he preaches, and he's giving the message of all of the 12 apostles. And he is, you know, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's the ambassador. He's the one speaking on behalf of Christ. And the whole sermon is about Jesus, and it is about his credentials for being the Messiah. It's all focused on him. It's amazing. And, and really, Peter follows a chronological order, so it's easy to follow his sermon. He starts with Jesus' life, he goes to his death, talks about his resurrection, and then his exaltation and even the pouring out of the Spirit at the end. Really, if you think about it, because the Jews had rejected Jesus, this is an evangelistic sermon. It's a sermon that is trying to bring them to the point where they repent and believe and are saved. And you'll see that indeed is the outcome. If you look down at verse 41, it'll be a while before we get there. But thousands repent of their sin and believe in Jesus as their Messiah, join the church. 
sermon also is delivered with unashamed boldness. It rings with brilliant clarity about Jesus Christ. There's no, there's no hedging in the sermon. There's no like, well, we'll try to, we'll try to talk to these seekers in a way that will help them, you know, come to understand some religious things. No, it's very bold. It's in their face. It demands that they repent of a terrible, terrible crime they've committed. It's just unashamed. And that's what we need to be as Christians, just his posture. It just breathes encouragement into me. I mean, there's no, there's no like, well, maybe we're like a Christian and we get along with everybody. He doesn't get along with anybody there. He's, he's boldly telling them, y'all killed your, your king. And there's no way to sugarcoat that. And then I think it's also got a lot of theology in it. There's a lot of Christology here and, and the, you know, the doctrine about Christ and what does the Old Testament say about the Messiah. So it relates to prophecy and we talked about the importance of preaching, but all good preaching is based on prophecy and prophecy is the foundation for good preaching. And so you see that here too. The preeminence of preaching, the primacy of prophecy and all of that we talked about last time. Now, last time we also mentioned that Peter's sermon has three main parts. There's the introduction in verses 14 to 21. We covered that last time. If you missed that in our new website that we have, you can go there and listen to that. The second part, the bulk of it, and I don't know how long we'll be on it because it's so glorious, is verses 22 to 36. And that is this this main body of the sermon, this witness about Jesus Christ. You see here, really, what were the apostles going around telling everybody? You kind of have the nutshell right here. This is it. And then there's a closing appeal. There's a closing appeal in verses 37 to 41. That's how the sermon ends. Now, today and next time and maybe longer, we're going to be on this witness about Jesus Christ. So just look at verses 22 to 36. Focus on them. Whole section, as I said, is about Jesus. Here our outline is going to be just following the life of Jesus. First is public ministry. You might call that his life. And then it goes to his death. We've got to talk about his death, why that happened, and then his resurrection, what that means, and then on to his ascension. In other words, if there's a message anyone that God wants anyone to get, Jew or Gentile, it is focus on this person, Jesus, and think about his life, think about his death, think about his resurrection, think about his ascension, put it all together, and you'll get what God is saying to the entire world today. It's a very important message, and it's being declared right here from the beginning. We're going to use that as our track to run on. He's going to prove Jesus is God's Messiah. He's Lord over all, not just the Jews. And then um, I'm hoping as we rehearse these truths, I'm not sure you'll learn anything new. I hope you will. But if you don't learn anything new, take these truths that are so precious to you and rejoice in them and let them be things you think about. We start with Jesus's public ministry, his life. Look at verse 22, if you would. Men of Israel. So he's addressing the men primarily, notice. Men of Israel, listen to these words. You know, once in a while we say as preachers, listen up, pay attention, get your mind back. That's what he's doing here. He's arresting their attention. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene. Interesting. A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. Now, there's so much there. We got to stop right there. Peter's preaching described, as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones talked about, is logic on fire. We're not supposed to preach these truths and not have passion. We're also not supposed to have passion and not have truth. It is logic and it is truth and it is doctrine, but it's lit on fire as well. And that's what preaching is. It's logic on fire. That's what Peter is doing here. And it's aimed at a very large crowd of Jews. 
And it's spoken with this unbelievable boldness. Why was he so bold? You say, well, that's kind of the way Peter was. No, Peter got afraid. You say it's because the Holy Spirit came. Yes, but Peter also knew certain things, and he's telling us those things here. First, he says, Jesus the Nazarene was a man attested to you guys that I'm preaching to by God with miracles. In other words, behind my sermon, I have a lot of confidence preaching to you because I know God has already performed lots of miracles. And you saw the miracles and I can boldly tell you about Jesus because you know in your conscience what I'm telling you is true. And so he had that boldness. But there's a second reason he was bold. And that is that he, he knew that the Jews of Jerusalem were very aware of these miracles. Many of the miracles were done right in Jerusalem or roundabout in Judea. Many of them they had heard about to the north in Galilee as he had done miracles around the Sea of Galilee or in Nazareth or in other places. He did these miracles. They saw and heard these miracles. They were the kind they could investigate, and Peter, Peter knew that. He knew that God had set him up with the coming of the Holy Spirit and all of this speaking in other languages a real miracle, and then all the miracles that Jesus had done, Peter was set up perfectly with an an audience that knew that what he was saying was true, and it gave him boldness. They knew all about Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, my goodness, that had almost been the topic that everybody was talking about in all of Israel. Jesus the prophet, is he the Messiah? And there was so much debate about him. He was the buzz. He was the talk of of the town and really of the whole country. That's interesting. He gives them the name, the Nazarene, right? Jesus, the Nazarene, or you read about Jesus of Nazareth. That was his official designation within Israeli society. When they wanted to understand who he was, that's how they understood who he was. We have last names, right? John Smith. But they had Jesus of Nazareth, of the city where he came from. Where did he hail from? Where was his upbringing? What was his father's name? That's kind of what they did in order to identify them. And that's how Jesus was understood. In John 18 and verse 5, the Jews who came to arrest Jesus in the garden, you know what they said? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And that's how they designated him. That's how he was known. In John 19, 19, Pilate put this very name above Jesus' head on the cross. It said, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. He did it to mock him. But it was his name. This is Jesus the Nazarene. All of this was to show what? That his hometown was Nazareth. Why? Because Nazareth was not an impressive place. Nazareth was a country bumpkin kind of place. It was nothing to the north. It wasn't like the great city of Jerusalem and all of the places that Jews that were of established kind of origin were, were from. No, they were. this was a far-off place. This was an unimpressive location. But Peter says, Jesus the Nazarene was attested to you by God. It's a humble origin of Jesus, but that did not matter because God took him in that place, put him front and center in the nation of Israel, and then God gave his testimony that this is the Messiah. And how did he do it? He gave... Jesus miracles and gave Jesus signs and gave Jesus wonders. God attested Christ. In other words, the whole country, the whole society had the proof, had the evidence that he was the Messiah because God attested to him. This is not men attesting. This was not men in a court of law. This was God bearing his testimony that this man walking around was the Messiah. 
John 5, 36, Jesus knew that they were having a tough time believing in him, but he said, the witness which I have is greater than that of John the Baptist for the works, he's talking about his, his miracles, the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. See, you know, you see me doing these miracles, you can't help but know. How could you miss it? Christ's miracles exhibited and confirmed his Messiahship to the Jews. Unlike John the Baptist, who never claimed to be the Messiah and he did not perform miracles. Do you know that? John the Baptist did not perform miracles. And he never claimed that he was able to do. He just stood there and he said, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. By the way, side note, Buddha didn't do miracles. Muhammad didn't do miracles. Mary didn't do miracles. Confucius didn't do miracles. Joseph Smith didn't do miracles. Jesus Christ did miracles. Why? Because Jesus is God's man. That's who he is. The entire world needs to know it, and the entire world needs to know it because there's a testimony in this book that says he was a man that just blitzed Israel with miracles. You know, the Jews wanted signs. They like signs. People today would like signs too. They want miracles. You know, Paul said the Jews ask for signs. Come on, give me a sign. Give me some proof. Greeks searched for wisdom. Ah, they tried to think of wisdom, you know, like an F. But the Jews, they wanted a sign. Give me a sign. What sign do you do? No sign, I'm not believing in you, you know? That's how the Jews were. Have to have a sign. So God gave them signs. Gave them a lot of signs. Couldn't miss it, really. Boatloads of signs. Notice Peter uses three words for these signs here. Miracles, wonders, and signs. Miracles. Wouldn't you like to see a miracle? Miracles is the word dunamis. It's a word that has to do with the display of power. We get our word dynamite from it, but it doesn't mean dynamite. It just means that there's a power at work there. People would see there's power there. That's not natural. That's power that is at work. That's a miracle. And then the word wonders, teron. It's a word that points to the marveling that people did when they watched the mighty act. So God does dunamis, power, and then the people would watch it and they go, wow, that's Tehran. It's a wonder. And then he uses the word sign, samion. That shows that the, the, mighty, the mighty power that was at work was kind of like a message. It was supposed to say something. It was to tell them something. You see this, you see this miracle, now figure out what's going on here. You saw the miracle, now what does that mean? Put, put it together, come on, use your brain and think. That's what it was. They weren't just like, uh, you know, divine whims, you know, just pointing here and, and a miracle happened or zapping there and a miracle happened. They were, they were thought through. There was something that Jesus did so that you would look at him and you would see the power. And, well, that's got to be God. Now, what is God saying by that miracle? It's a sign. A sign points to something. It says, this is the truth. Figure it out. All three of these realities can be seen in one of Jesus' greatest miracles, and that is raising Lazarus from the dead, recorded in John chapter 11. Do you remember that amazing miracle? What a a miracle. Remember Jesus delayed? He didn't come for four days because he wanted to make sure Lazarus was dead, dead, you know, that everyone knew he was dead, that he was dead and gone kind of dead, not like close to dead, but been dead for four days kind of dead. That kind of dead, so that when he raised him from the dead, everybody knew he was raised from the dead and not the sleep, right? Put behind the stone. There he is. He's dead. Jesus took his time. You know, he just kind of meandered there. And Mary and Martha were like, oh, Martha was like, if you'd been here, my brother would have lived. 
Basically, Jesus tells her to calm down. Everything's going to be fine. What happened? Well, there was dunamis, right? How do you get a dead man up to live again? There's got to be an injection of power. That's dunamis. I mean, he was truly dead. He wasn't resuscitated after drowning. He was dead, brain dead. And then there was power. Then the people who saw it outside of the tomb, they see this guy come out. He's wrapped around, you know. Jesus says, unwrap him and let him go. And what are the people doing? Like, oh, my goodness. You can just see him kind of unwrapping. Is that you, Lazarus? Is that really you? Oh, there he is. His neighbor, their brother, they knew him. And so they were filled with wonder. I imagine some people screamed. I imagine some people were shocked. And then... Samion, the sign. What does all that mean? Exactly what Jesus had finished telling Martha right before he raised him from the dead. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Do you believe this? And Martha said, yes, I believe. But she didn't really know what she was saying, right? And then he raises someone from the dead and everyone's supposed to be like, he, he has life inside of him. You just give life. My goodness. Who is he? This is God. Only God can give life, you see. And so it's amazing. This is all that. By the way, if you go to any of Jesus' miracles, you could see that there's power, then there's a reaction, there's wonder, and then there's a sign. What does that mean? He opens the eyes of the blind. What does that mean? He can open your spiritual eyes. You can't see right now, but God can help you to understand spiritual things. There it is. Every single one of them meant something. Remember in the boat? You know, he stands up, he rebukes the winds and the waves, and the winds and the waves stop. That'd be a wonderful thing to have. Go outside and rebuke the cold, right? Minus... Minus two this morning in Lisbon, Maryland. Minus two. You know, I could stand out there. You know, if, if you were God in human flesh, you could stand up and say 50 degrees. That's what I want. 70 degrees. I want it nice. Boom. Everything obeys you. That's what Jesus was. Wind and waves stop. And remember the disciples in the boat, they're like, who is this? Who is this? Who is this that he can command the winds and the waves? Yeah, now you got it going. Now you're starting to think it through. This is not a normal guy. The title prophet's not good enough for him, you see. He's more than that. By the way, Jesus gave this kind of power to the apostles. He rested this power on the apostles. It says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4 that God testified with the apostles by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to God's own will. You know why the people knew that they were the apostles and not somebody else? Because all the other Christians or most of the other Christians, they didn't do these signs. The apostles, the ambassadors of Jesus did do those signs. Someone stands up today and say, I could do all those miracles. You're not an apostle of Jesus. You can't do that. You weren't chosen. Paul defended this in 2 Corinthians 12, 12. He, he wrote, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. There they are again, signs and wonders and miracles. The whole point of that is that very few Christians got to do that. Otherwise, everyone would be authenticated as an apostle. But God was authenticating them as the true spokespersons of Jesus Christ. The presence of all three of these proved God was at work in a special way. When people say that there are miracles here and there are miracles there, and you study them and you find them out to be not true, they're false, they're phony, that's because this was very, very special. This was God and the finger of God working. You know, sometimes they say a uh, category five tornado is the finger of God. No, it's not. Here was the finger of God. Category five tornadoes happened. This doesn't happen. This is the finger of God. This is the power of God. This was to convince the most skeptical group of people that demanded signs that these are the signs. What else do you wait? What else are you waiting for? You know, very finger of God at work. People see it. They know that's that's God. How many miracles did Jesus do? You know, nobody knows. 
Nobody knows. There's, as far as the story and account, there's 40 of them that are written, about 40 of them that are written uh, in the four Gospels. But then you read certain verses that say, and they brought to him all those that were sick, and he healed all of them. How many was that? Nobody knows. This could be hundreds. This could have been thousands of miracles that he did. He controlled nature. He healed all sicknesses instantly. He raised the dead. He made the lame to walk. He walked on water, literally, not like on ice, (laughs) you know, on a pond. This was a miracle. He touched the eyes of the blind and they saw. Who does that? I love the words of John 7, 31. But many of the crowd believed in Jesus and they were saying, when the Messiah comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? You can see them kind of debating it, right? Uh, Who's going to do more signs than this guy? Come on. How many has he done? How come you're not believing in him yet? Today's message was the same message Peter gave at the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Throughout the ages, the message of Christianity has remained the same. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look at his life, his death, and his resurrection. In today's message, Pastor Tom is going to show us that Peter spoke boldly without fear, exposing the sin of the people and bringing them to repentance. We're blessed to be able to share the good news of the gospel with our listeners through the ministry of Discover Hope. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus yet, or if you have more questions, we invite you to visit the What Does It Mean to Be a Christian page under the About Us at HopeBible.org. This will provide you with a concise description of why you need Jesus in your life and how you can be free from sin. We'd like to speak and pray with you too, so please give us a call at 443-200-HOPE. Again, that's 443 443- 200 hope jesus is a miracle worker he healed the sick gave sight to the blind and raised the dead next week pastor tom is going to discuss the signs wonders and miracles of jesus just like peter did on the first day of the brand new church everyone in the crowd of thousands knew already that jesus worked miracles peter brought their attention to those miracles as he pointed them to the life of jesus That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Discover Hope. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting HopeBibleChurch.org. And be sure to join us again right here on Discover Hope.